It's a good show. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all and just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the Meth Head is happy to welcome to the show our good friend Danny Hunt. Danny Hunt is here, and you got a lot of important things to talk about. Uh, you are easily the most prepared guest we've ever <laughs> had. He has he has he has two different books with like post-it notes, and 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 then he's got his scriptures with him, and he has a notebook with like extra notes inside the notebook. It's amazing. First things first, though, Danny, how was the show last night? The show was great. <laughs> we had a great time. Closer? Yeah. Right here. Okay. The show was great. I went with uh, a friend of mine who you've met before. We've been camping and stuff together. Yeah. And he listens to your guys' podcast all the time. And I didn't know that. But oh, wow. he's like, oh, I've listened to the whole thing. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, should we go tonight? That's and what you meant when you introduced him to me. You said this. Uh, Ethan listens to your podcast, and you're like, "I know this I guy." Was like, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, that's Ethan that we went camping with." And so for a second, I was conf- I didn't say anything about camping because I thought he was a different person, right? Okay, <laughs> I get it now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I didn't know that he had listened to all of it, like everything. I mean, I don't know if he's listened to all the Patreon stuff, but anyway, he loved it. I loved it. It was super fun. It was a great way to spend the night. And then we came back and watched Fast and the Furious, which I had never seen. You'd never uh, seen? Huh. Wait, uh, the, like the fifth the one? First one. The first one. I've never seen one. any of them. Oh. So. Wow. How was that? It was great. It was, was a it great follow-up. It was, no, it, but, but it was like a good uh, chaser. <laughs> <laughs> We will uh, we'll uh, pass that recommendation on. Did yeah. I get, did I take all your uh. microphone slack? Mm. So I have been so excited for this episode oh, because uh, over the course of the last year, Aaron says uh, stuff about yeah. I was talking about Mormon magic with Danny, and then I was like, like what? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> he would have to explain that to you. I don't really. Uh, like it's fascinating though. I'm like, well then what it what it and I'm googling Mormon magic and it doesn't uh so I am very It started excited. on camping trips. Yeah. I yeah, remember would, like yep. around the fire you would talk about these books you were reading. Yeah. And I was like, Jess, I would love this shit. I should try to remember it, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Me and, trying to explain the plot to a movie. Well, I to think him. as we talk about it, Aaron will be like, Oh yeah, I know this stuff. But it's just like a way into thinking about it. I think almost like it's like if you Google Mormon magic, you might not find anything right away, but you have to like get into it from the right angles, which is right. why I have all is these notes and stuff. Cause I honestly don't know like how to start talking about it. Is that also why you've grown your hair out and have this full beard? You look like Porter Rockwell right now. <laughs> you, are, you are jacked. You got, you got, Danny is very tall, very muscular, and he's just got Samson length hair and a big mountain man beard. He looks like he's uh, he's experienced some Mormon magic. It's I def- there's there's some relation between the way I look and my uh, journey out of Mormonism, but I can't totally put my finger on it. We were just talking about this. Uh, Aaron's growing his hair out and his beard out, and he keeps asking every day, "Should I cut one of these?" And uh, he started growing them out like the day before 
he had well his hair has been a while but he started growing the beard like the day before he had like this ego revelation <laughs> and i was like i don't it feels uh important that you leave it like for this journey that you're on right now and yeah. then one day you'll wake up and know that you're ready like to uh emerge from the chrysalis and uh you'll shave it there and then is, i thought there was uh, something biblical about that i thought that there was something but maybe it was just men with beards grizzly adams or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> mixing up my references uh yeah i mean i don't know what to say i definitely like my appearance more now than i did a few years ago definitely me too and Absolutely. i don't know what it is exactly but it's just like I feel better about how I look, about how I present myself to the world. Mm-hmm. How long have it, has it been since you left Mormonism? Uh, it's I can't. I have a hard time putting like a date on it exactly because it was such a slow, steady like uh, phase out. Yeah, like I I feel like I stopped wearing garments a long time before I was really yep. ready to say I was done. Uh huh. And like, uh, I got uh. I got married in the temple also, and so I've been married, and so, like, navigating it with another person also kind of, like, we're not always on the same level. Like, I think I was out of it a little sooner, but I, you know, anyway, yeah. but it's worked out for me in a yeah. way that... <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. It doesn't it's all for kind most of gray area. Yeah, it's like this. a long... I can't say, like, when exactly was the time that I was, like... I think a lot of people leave like that. Yeah. It's just the easiest way to do it. But it has been super... Something I've really been thinking about as I did it. Like, I've been obsessive about it the whole time. It might have been, like, same as everyone else, like, when they did the, the policy announcement about uh, children of gay people have to, like renounce their parents relationship in order to get baptized that was like that was that that was was a big one for us i think that was like when that happened i like went home and i was like i prayed like is this true and i felt like nope and i was like okay Hmm. so huh that is uh and the the ces letter you were already i read the ces letter after i had already pretty much look at you dropping all the (laughs) yeah I read the CES letter after I had already uh, pretty much decided I didn't think it was true. And I had kind of like, because I'm so interested in a lot of this stuff, I had picked up on a lot of it before I saw it all in one place. But reading it all in one place was like a, ooh. Yeah. Ouch. Was it still still shocking? It's still shocking. And there were things I didn't know, like, that are just fun that I don't even know how important they are. Like the fact that uh, there's an island called Kimura and the capital of that island is called Moroni. Moroni. And there's a like Captain a Kid, Captain Kid adventure <laughs> story, and we know that Joseph Smith loved pirate stories. Yeah, and... so I'm like, I don't know if he actually saw that, but that is just such a funny thing to know. Yeah, I recently uh, reread it mm-hmm. to show Jessa it, and yeah. there's a ton of stuff that I forgot. I also don't think I ever read the second half. Like by the time you get to polygamy, I was like, I'm worn out. This yeah, is, I don't need to know anything else. Yeah, it's all I. I believe you. You sold your point. So Emily read the CES letter, and Emily and I are different in the way we are in the church way back anyway. She talks about it. She's She grew up, she's like, the church was just don't uh, don't wear tank tops. That's all the church was for her. <laughs> like, don't wear tank tops or else your aunt will find out and your mom will be like, your aunt is disappointed. Like, <laughs> 
And so she was like, it was just an identity thing for her. She didn't know that much about it. Didn't really believe a lot of stuff about it. But it was just like, this is who I am. And But for me, it was way more like, no, this is how I view the universe. Like, this yeah. is how I construct my reality. This is how I make sense of the world around me kind of thing. And like, it had to make sense logically because I was never a person who like felt the spirit very much. So mm-hmm. I was like, I just want a system that makes sense. But so she was a little slower, like getting out of it because she was just like, whatever, you know, like in oh, or out. Interesting. What's the difference? You know, kind I totally of. Get, I know. I know. I totally get that. Yeah. But then she read the CES letter and was like, oh, I really don't like the way polygamy worked. I didn't know that, you know. Can we get to the polygamy part? We haven't even gotten to the polygamy part. We might talk about that a a little bit today. We're trying to do a polygamy? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get into it. So what stemmed your interest in like this magic stuff? Uh, Well, I think I was telling Jessa in a chat the other day that like back when I was actually a Mormon, like I was kind of interested in this stuff. But if anyone talked about it, I was like, shut up. That's so embarrassing. Like this is a (laughs) weird, like I had a guy in a, in my ward one time give like a Sunday school lesson that was all about the facsimile of the papyrus, like Abraham's astronomy and like planets and stars and stuff. And I was like just dying. I was so embarrassed to be (laughs) sitting in class and having this guy talk about it. I was like, what is he even talking about? This isn't important to the church. But then when I started to like get out of Mormonism, I was like, that might be actually the only stuff I actually like. Huh? And it was kind of like, because I started to realize that... Why do you think... Did it make you feel weird when they brought it up? It felt weird because, you know, the church these days really tries to push this thing of like, we're Christians just like everyone else, Mm -hmm. which is weird. And I think they're having like an identity crisis about that because so many of their doctrines are not based on traditional Christian ideas at all. At all, yeah. Yeah. And so to hear this guy talking about this, I was just like, if my friends back home, this was when I lived in Logan for like six months before I went to college. And so I had grown up in Idaho in a place where my, I was the only Mormon and my little brother, you know? And uh, so I was like, if my friends back home could see what I'm listening to in church right now, they would give me so much shit. Like it would be so embarrassing. And so I was really like, I don't want, this guy to talk about this in church and but so it's essentially astrology yeah so i was going to talk about that today like we're going to look at the facsimile as part of my lesson plan i felt like a missionary <laughs> preparing <laughs> a lesson, lesson plan, plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes but yeah uh it's essentially a Danny, would you be my ex-Mormon mission companion? And we could do lesson <laughs> plans together. I've I've kind of had that experience before. Really? Uh, when I went back to Argentina with my friend, who was also into this stuff, after he had already left the church and I was kind of on my way out, we went around and visited people we had visited before. Uh-huh. But this time when we visited and they were like, oh, I've just been having a problem with smoking cigarettes and my son, we were like, you know what you need to do? You need to meditate. And like, we like, <laughs> oh my God, we I like went that. door to door and we like gave blessings still. Dude, like, <laughs> I want to live that dream. Wow. Wow, Danny. Yeah. We had uh, someone come up to us at the show in Idaho who said that the same group of people that they used to get together and do Bible studies 
are now getting together and doing like mysticism or like spirituality studies and that they incorporate things from the podcast into <laughs> it. And I was like, wow, this is uh Yeah. Well so Dude, I'm such an apostate. I am <laughs> I know. I'm like, when are you gonna get excommunicated i gotta get famous it's like do we need to put that on a vision board you need to do some (laughs) yeah like that's one of the funny things about excommunication is like it really you can do whatever you want as long as everyone doesn't find out about it (laughs) right yeah i remember like i remember bitching about uh kate kelly and uh people were saying well you know she taught false doctrine uh you know she said that uh women uh could get the priesthood and that's not true and i'm like uh okay she stated her opinion uh and there there are dudes in sunday school leading sunday school lessons in every church across the world saying wrong who are saying wrong stuff (laughs) like uh are any of them gonna get excommunicated are all of them gonna get excommunicated no like no it's because uh people know who kate kelly's name yeah kelly has a website right she's she's gone it's it's funny. So I don't. People are sometimes people are like, "Oh, will you get excommunicated?" I'm like, "No, you don't get excommunicated unless you're in the newspapers and like mm-hmm. you're making people." Sam Sam Young, I feel like has to uh, be so mad right now when an LDS bishop gets charged in a in a prostitution sting. He like uh was trying to pimp out two undercover police officers yeah he's an lds bishop who behind closed doors uh gets to ask kids about their sexual purity and uh and he's in sam young for like the last two years has just been doing nothing but trying to pressure the church into making changes about that yeah and then he gets excommunicated for trying to do that. But yeah. the bishop who was pimping out kids didn't. Oh, he'll, well, he'll, no, get, he'll excommunicated. get excommunicated. But I just like he just got arrested. I just oh. think it's a point uh, in in for that argument where you're saying like uh, we d- we wanted this in place to protect kids from uh, this guy. Bad, yeah, from that guy. Yeah, like this this is a bad dude and. Uh, is just sitting there like uh, judging everybody for their sins. And right. Whatnot. And it's, I don't uh, understand it. I really don't. That's something I think about a lot. I'm like, I don't understand how these guys are doing this because people like you and I as Mormons felt just such massive guilt and shame mm-hmm. for such minor nonsense. So we're the good ones. man. And so like, how did this, how does this guy like be a Bishop and also just like get, blowjobs and in park motels, bathrooms yeah. and stuff and like try to pimp out underage girls and whatever like i don't know yeah it's uh i don't get it i mean neither i really thought that all those bishops were called you know and, just, and like and that uh i think that was actually a big uh a step for me in leaving was saying that uh like not all these guys are good and yeah. Like when uh, about excommunications and like seeing how different it was uh, that like certain stake presidents wouldn't excommunicate. Like, right. Uh, Kate Kelly's actual stake president in Virginia, where she actually lived, and her actual stake president uh, wouldn't excommunicate her. So they had uh, like a guy in Draper excommunicate like, her. And I was like, okay, yeah. So the, this is clearly then people's opinions. Like they're differing, right? Like right. This guy shouldn't. Uh, and I had a, a, an argument with a brother and sister in law about it because they were like, no, 
God is in charge of excommunications and he whispers to them through the spirit uh, every time. So like he gets it right every uh-huh. single time. And I was like, no, there's no way. Yeah. It's not right every time. And that was a big uh, break. Well, I was in places in my mission where like everyone had been excommunicated by some crazy bishop who rose to power like in the 80s. <laughs> Talk uh, yeah, you know, the great excommunication. The great, no, I was in a ward in Argentina assigned as a missionary where the current bishop, the current elders quorum president, the current like first council in the stake presidency had all been excommunicated when they were like in their 20s oh my God. by a past stake president. And they were all just like, yeah, he was crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, and so like, I mean, holy <laughs> shit. And then they just got back in. They just got back in the mid, the, the church. The, my my mission, and I don't want to go too much down this because we like we'll yeah. miss out on all the magic stuff. But like, we'll just record all day, man. My mission, for this. I think, was a like I, we've talked about. You guys have talked about whether the church is a cult and yeah. fall down kind of on the side of like there's some cult like things about it. But in order to really like call something a cult in anger, it has to have certain traits that maybe the church doesn't have, right? Yeah. I feel like my mission came pretty close though. <laughs> my mission was kind of a cult. The actual the mission with the missionaries, or do you mean the church members? The, the no in- the the mission with the missionaries and the mission president, and maybe not all the time. Like it didn't really start out as one, but it just kind of drifted into cult like territory as like certain missionaries who were really charismatic, like came to into the mission and changed the culture of it, and the mission president like put them in positions of power until by the end, like. At near near the very end of my mission, I had a zone leader who's a guy who's in charge of me. Uh, he was from Brazil, and he told me that an angel with a flaming sword was watching him at night, and if he wasn't leading us correctly, it was going to cut his head off with the sword, and that's why I had to help him baptize homeless people <laughs> in one day by tricking them into like thinking they were going to parties and stuff and like what yeah i did all sorts of bad shit on my mission and like had bad leaders like you know when you hear people talk about like in mexico he said he said his head was gonna get cut off if with a flaming sword this and here's the crazy people? thing joseph smith said that to get people to participate in polygamy he'd right. go to a girl and be like if you don't marry me an angel with a flaming sword is gonna cut my head off and there's no way this convert from brazil knew that Really? I don't think Dude, is so. Is that where the guy from Abducted in Why Plain Sight got his hustle? I yes. think so. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's Fuck. the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, anyway, I saw, I, I think my mission was the big, was like the, the first thing that was just like, okay, there's something wrong. And from there, it was just like, okay. I followed my priesthood leaders like I was supposed to on my mission, and they led me into these paths that made me feel terrible about myself so from now on i need to follow my own heart because deep down all along i knew what i was doing was wrong when we would go out and like trick a crazy person into getting baptized you know like we would go out and find a guy who was like living in a wood shack and go into his house and be like, do you want to follow Jesus Christ today? And he's like, oh, I can't. I have to go do a business meeting in Egypt. So he's crazy. <laughs> right. And then we're just like, well, you need luck on your journey. So like, come on over to the church right now. And uh, we've got a, a party going on and there's cake and stuff. So we like take him over to the church in a taxi cab. He's never been before. Oh. And we just baptize him in a 
kiddie pool. You, oh my god, and, your mission was wild. Yeah, wow. Dude, we had like standards and rules. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I'm like the standards and rules. Like on you the other hand, you couldn't get baptized unless you had been to church for three months straight. Uh, you had taken all the discussions. Uh, you had a member friend. Right. They had a calling set yeah. up. They've already interviewed with the bishop and all these different people. And like then they could get baptized. No, it, in my mission, we said that. And at the beginning of my mission, like me and my first companion trainer, we totally followed all those rules. We like, you know, a guy came to church like two times and he was super interested, but then he missed the third time. And we're like, got to start over. He's got to go three times in a row at least, you know. And then, but by the end, like three months versus three. By the times end, in a you're row. just dumping buckets of by, water. Yeah, by the, well, sleeping <laughs> children's heads. Listen, let me. <laughs> it was running down the sidewalk. We might as well have been like that's the that's the sad thing is like we were doing no good for if anyone. Your taxi cab ever splashed somebody with a puddle? You counted it. Hell yeah, yeah, got him. No, so like by the end, there were just these leaders that had been put in place who were just basically like crazy crazy people and they would call me on the phone and they'd be like like crazy zealous like crazy zealous like there wasn't disobedience as much in terms of like sleeping in you know breaking the Uh mission rules it was like everyone got up in fact you should get up an hour earlier and you should fast every week and you should be so just working every day and you should be baptizing someone every single week and if you're not then you get a phone call from the zone leaders and they're like, so uh, who are you baptizing this week? And you're like, oh, we don't have anyone. And they're just like, well, just so you know, uh, we have you on speakerphone with the whole rest of the zone of missionaries right now. And you're the only one who isn't baptizing someone this week. <gasps> so will you promise in front of God and us right now that you will baptize someone this Jess, week? I would have been a completely different missionary on this mission. Obstinate, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. If these motherfuckers told me I was on speakerphone, I'd be like, great, well, now that we have you on here, <laughs> I'd love to talk about what a psychopath or zone leader is. Well, this All is... those in favor say aye. This is... This is a cult that I can believe, though. Like, people, I'm sure you've heard it. Every missionary has told this this story about some other mission where, like, uh, uh, sex was rampant. And there was, like, this secret combination of missionaries that had, like, color-coded bracelets. Or, (laughs) like, double creases on their shirts. Double creases on their shirts (laughs) to signify the sins that they were committing. Like, it's just just this dumb story that, uh, like, most Mormon myths. I'm like, y'all are an idiot. Like, this, how... How do all of us this? have heard a version of this story and we all think it's true? Just it's a it's an urban legend, probably. I'm sure something yeah. like it somewhere happened one time and now it's been spread. I don't believe like that just sound preposterous to me. Like there's no yeah. mission that gets that gets completely shut down because they found out every single mission. All the all missionaries were having an with. orgy yeah, in, uh, in the in the baptismal font exactly. with the sister missionary. <laughs> fucking happens. But this cult that you're talking about, yeah. I can I that's well that's how like it gets twisted it for sure happened because it happened to me and the thing you're describing right now like is something that I have dreams regularly that I am back there but I'm not fooled anymore by them and I can like and I was thinking about this I listened to your guys' last podcast and you were talking about things that were way more serious like way more serious trauma but I was really thinking about how like man I want so bad to be able to like go back in time and just repossess my body with like the confidence and the self-assurance that I have now. Yeah. And when people come to me and like these just other kids, just other 21 year olds come to me and they were like, 
you will wither in apostasy, your children will wither in apostasy, and your children's children will wither in apostasy because you are not obeying us. And we tell you that we are coming to your area and baptizing someone today. And then you're coming with us to this other area and we're baptizing someone there tomorrow. And that's happening. And if you disagree, then you are cursed and the flaming sword angel. And at the time I was like, I honestly don't know what to believe. Maybe they're right. You know, and now you want to be bearded, Danny. And just yeah, I want to go back. And when they're like, just do jerk off, yeah, just go, like, okay, oh, right. <laughs> God, I would have hated those fools. But <sighs> it really, it really made me so sad. We baptized this guy, and then the next day we baptized another guy in one day, and that night I just started crying i was like at the end of my mission and i was like i've ruined my whole mission by doing this like uh-huh. i was a good missionary i tried my best the whole time and after all these two years i just did these disgraceful things and i knew they were wrong but i did it because my leaders told me you know oh danny and i was i was just so sad and i tried to like talk about it with the mission president but he kind of like he was like listen they might have done some wrong stuff, but my mission president had totally been complicit in it. I had called him on the phone and been like, hey, the zone leaders want to come baptize someone in one day, and we don't have anyone who's going to church, so I feel like it's just a bad idea, and I can't tell them to stop. Could you tell them to stop? And my mission president was like, remember how we've talked about your faith, Danny, and how you don't have enough faith? How do you know that there isn't someone out there who's ready today? Whoa. God damn! And then is this I'm like, how they get those numbers? Because don't you say they have these like crazy numbers oh, of how the church is? Growing? We were baptizing hundreds of people, like, and and yes, yeah, yeah, in like third world countries, yeah, where, yeah, just dunking, just dunking them, <laughs> and uh, it does nothing for these people's lives. It, I, we had we had like in Italy, in in uh, in Europe, like it was completely different, right? And I. Th- I really think that it's uh has to do with I feel like the church it's easier for them to like have standards and uh uh and do the right thing when there isn't a uh poor uneducated population to prey on. Right. Like they did you know yeah. like it's like how how can the church in in, uh, understand when they talk to my mission president like the how things should be done but then like when you talk to your mission president uh because like we said earlier you can do whatever you want as long as everyone isn't fighting out about it like yeah. in south america in these places where it's kind of in some places still the wild west for the church and like there isn't necessarily the same like blogosphere or whatever uh-huh. that there is in the united states like you get some missionaries in america trying that shit and see how fast how long how you know right what happens all the yelp reviews but in south america like i was in an area that was like the size of three counties it was tons of cities mm-hmm. and we lived in one of these cities and we just take buses out to the other cities and we were like five hours away from anyone else in the mission and we had one cell phone that had like a limited number of minutes. And so I was just completely isolated, like from the rest of the world. And there was lots of like supernatural weird shit going on. And like, I felt like the building we lived in was haunted (gasps) and I was like losing my mind. And then these zone leaders would get on a bus and come four hours to our area 
and just be like, we're taking the area book that has the list of all the people who have been taught here in the last like 10 years and we're finding one of them and we're baptizing them today, you know? And Jesus. I'm just like, okay, I'm what so tired. Yeah. Circle back to <laughs> I had to like fucking, fucking try me. Anyway, when uh, people uh, talk about to us about this podcast, things that are weird that we have in common, like uh, that they wouldn't expect a Mormon and a meth head to have in common. Uh, she, Jess has been into so much magic stuff, astrology stuff, yeah. supernatural, all these different things. And uh, I never, like, I didn't, I like presented beliefs about Mormonism that I was like, I can see how this kind of works. But then uh, to find out that a lot of our traditions and doctrines and everything is uh, steeped in like old American magic yeah, and, and, and uh, the like magical traditions and stuff right. has uh, been really cool to find out. Well, the crazy, the, the fun thing is realizing that, and okay, disclaimer, I don't, uh, I'm not, I didn't study this in school. I'm not a historian or anything. Your but post-it notes, <laughs> I've got post-it notes, here. post-it notes suggest otherwise. So Mormonism is, wants to be like Christianity but Christians are kind of like, but you guys believe all this crazy stuff. And we're like, but we believe in Jesus. And they're like, eh, kind of. But uh, <laughs> like there is this early Mormon magic element. And the interesting thing that like these books that I have here today that I've read, they're early Mormonism in the magic worldview and another book called The Refiner's Fire. And both of them talk about how even that early American folk magic and stuff that was going on actually had its roots in like, renaissance era mysticism and that stuff was a mixture of like alchemy and the kabbalah and something called hermeticism and astrology stuff so like during the renaissance uh people like isaac newton is one where guys were like really into alchemy and they were trying to like mix these ancient kind of magical occult traditions with christianity and they were coming up with these ideas and stuff and some of those ideas got transmitted to America in the form of like folk magic practices that people did and that Joseph Smith's family did a lot. So it's kind of like this crazy like genealogical lineage. Wow. But we can like look at certain ideas and things about Joseph Smith and his family that we knew and draw like clear parallels to like the Kabbalah. And also the doctrines in Mormonism that come out that are clearly influenced by like alchemy and the Kabbalah and just like ancient mystic ideas that have been around for a long time. And so you were asking like, how did I get into this stuff? Well, part of it is because it was in the end hard for me to leave the church because I was like, I really like some of Joseph Smith's ideas about God and about how the universe works, you know? Like, I don't like how in Christianity, God just creates us and then sends us to hell. Yeah. yeah. That's stupid. Like, I think Christian doctrine, mainstream Christian doctrine is worse in a lot of ways than the doctrine that Joseph Smith taught. Now, that doesn't mean that really bad things didn't and don't happen in Mormonism because they do and they mm-hmm. did. But the doctrine itself, I still actually like Mormon doctrine more than I like mainstream Christian doctrine. Yeah. Because the God of mainstream Christian doctrine is so mean and humans are so worthless and it all doesn't really make sense. Now, not that Mormonism 
makes perfect sense. But stuff that Joseph Smith taught about how uh, God didn't create like our intelligence. Right. Our intelligence is eternal. In fact, originally we were all just this like consciousness, basically intelligence, the light of knowledge or whatever mm-hmm. floating around. And like the greatest one that ha- like was the most intelligent realized that it could bring all these other ones to like become like him. Mm-hmm. And so the whole purpose is to he gives us spirit bodies and then he gives us physical bodies and we, then we become like him and we then become gods and stuff, you know, that sounds crazy, but it's actually way more beautiful to me and interesting. And so I was like, if Joseph Smith was just a con man and a fraud, then how did he have these cool ideas? That's my, um, because a lot of, you know, my, uh, post, uh, awakening post near-death experience understanding of what we are is just literally gods that came to earth and the 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 process in which we get bodies and the process in which we like reincarnate and get new bodies every time and every time we get a new body we have the ego like a new Mm -hmm. ego and all of this stuff is all pretty similar to what like Mormonism yeah. uh, teaches. Well, that's because what you're talking about right now is totally like the Kabbalah. They're all about the ego and like uh, we are all like of a divine essence that comes to earth. We're of the same divine essence that God is. And the ego is like the the bad thing about us that we need to like overcome in order to become like God. Now, Joseph Smith hated reincarnation, but all that other stuff he liked yeah which is very but kabbalah does teach reincarnation yeah so where did where did joseph smith get these intelligences that's where i'm like i don't think joseph smith was just a con man i do think he was i think he was i think he was a con man i think he was a con man that saw behind the veil well so this point so that's kind of i'm like i don't i think that he was a con man he was a liar and he did make a lot of stuff up but he was also genuinely interested in this stuff like he did want to create doctrine he did want to like run a church. Mm-hmm. He didn't just want to make money and have sex. Like he was interested in other stuff, I think. But he also did lie. And so I think that's where I started to be like, well, if I don't if I like these ideas, but I don't necessarily like Joseph Smith, where else can I get these same ideas? And that's where I start to like look at Mormonism and mm-hmm. how it relates to these other magical traditions. Like Kabbalah, and you're saying, so like where does Joseph Smith learn yeah. about this? Well, in these books, it talks about how when he's in like, well, so first of all, the folk magic, right? Okay. When Joseph Smith's a kid with his family, this is stuff that people are talking about more lately. Like the church is starting to admit this. They're like, okay, yeah, he had lots of seer stones Mm -hmm. before the ones he supposedly found in the Hill Cumorah. He already had seer stones that he had found lying around and he used them to help neighbors find treasure and lost items. Did he ever? Do we have a record of him finding anything? <laughs> do we know if he found anything? Uh, I mean, I don't know for sure. I think that there's like just people's like journal entries and like newspapers would want to write a story about Joseph Smith, so they'd go like interview his neighbors and they'd be like, "Oh, one time, you know, old Mister Mason down the road I, lost could his be people. Just I just pocket watch. Yeah. yeah, I just want to know what like what's it like to if your career is treasure seeker? Uh, how do you like, when well, you're how, never how finding you, it? Actually, yeah, like uh, how 
how do you know if you're a successful treasure seeker? Do you find like if you find one thing, have you do you have it made, or like people finding little treasures? Are there like week? open mics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just start like out looking for just Easter find, eggs. Like, a ru- I just imagine them finding rupees inside of bushes, like in Zelda. Yeah, like they're like, oh, I got one. <laughs> there we have it. Well, so that is like. I don't know if Joseph Smith ever successfully found anything, and yet somehow that never made him not... I mean, I think maybe he sometimes questioned, like, am I really a treasure seeker? Like, do I really have this? And I, But, like, I think he and his dad and them genuinely believed that they had powers, and they weren't the only ones in the neighborhood are, either. Are there a lot of people at yeah. this time that believe yeah, this? Yeah, there's, like... So Joseph Smith's first seer stone that he gets is one that... There's, like, a neighbor girl who lives a couple miles away who has a seer stone. And he's like, Mom, Dad, can I go see it? Please, can I go see it? Please. And they're like, okay, we'll take you to see her seer stone. And as he's looking in her seer stone, he apparently sees the location of another seer stone, like under a tree. And so then he goes to that location and gets his stone. Do you know about how old he is? This is when he's like the same time that he's saying Moroni's appearing. He's like 14. This is like the same time he's saying he has the first vision. So wow. this is what's so funny. Like growing up in Mormonism, we hear this story of Joseph Smith, but we have no idea what else is going on in his life at the same time. Right. But at the same time that like he's seeing God the Father and Jesus Christ in the sacred go- grove, apparently, he's also seeing the location of a seer stone for him in the neighbor girl seer stone. And then the funny thing is later when he supposedly finds the gold plates, the other neighbors are like, we got to get those gold plates from Joe Smith. So they enlist the neighbor girl who's now grown up and they're like, look in your seer stone. And they bring her with them to find the gold oh plates in his house when they're like searching his house. With her stone. Yeah. And so everyone, this is like common belief. And do you know where this practice originates from? Well. Of why did, why is holding well, a it's, rock? It's scrying. It's crystal ball. Explain this to me. Well, it's like the same idea that you can, and this is where things like alchemy and like Kabbalah and Hermeticism come into it because all these things, like they talk about the Urim and Thummim that were on the breastplate of the priest in the King Temple of Solomon, you know? Yeah. And they're like, those things had power. And the alchemists are like, we're trying to create the philo- the sorcerer's stone, right? Uh-huh. Like, wait, so did al- alchemists like they? I mean, I know what Urim and Thummim means in a Mormon context. Are you saying in all these other ancient mystic, uh, re- they talk uh, about Urim and Thummim? Yeah, yeah, really, big time. Yeah, really. There's this book called... in the breastplate of the priest yeah. of the the of uh-huh. Solomon's Temple. There's this book called The Alchemist. See, I don't think he had anything original, man. I don't think. I think that's the thing. I'm not Joseph saying he Smith did just, it original. Just took from. Yeah. I think he's the fake awake person that you would hate if you met today. <laughs> yeah. That, that is interested in all that stuff, but just takes from the people who have done it and who have seen it, and then yeah. uh, just takes it. it. Yeah. But so, like, there's this book called The Alchemist by a guy named like Paulo Cuello. It's a popular book. Yes. He has nothing to do with Mormonism. But in the first few pages, it's talking about the Urim and Thummim and the Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek and stuff. No way. And that's because he's just drawing from Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah. And the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, after the order of Adam and stuff like that, like after the order of Melchizedek, who was as the ancient of days and all that stuff, like that's all in Kabbalah. And it basically is what Mormons refer to as deep doctrine right wow like what we call deep doctrine in church we're like we don't need to talk about deep, deep doctrine, doctrine is basically Our voices get deeper when we say it the, the magic deep. 
yeah magic stuff this yeah. was this was my um issue with born again christianity it was like i got into it for the magic mm-hmm. i got slain in the spirit or yeah. whatever and had this supernatural experience and then was like okay this is what i've been looking for my whole life and then I was obsessed with the book of Acts. I was obsessed with this, like, the let's raise the stuff. dead. Let's do, yeah. let's do this. And then in church, it's this endless, <laughs> endless uh, revival is on the way. Like, we are on the precipice of revival. Stories of revival happening somewhere else. We got word back from one of our satellite churches. <laughs> They are having <laughs> limbs grow back on people. And I'm like, send me there. So in like, the meantime, I'm for. in the yeah. meantime, what are you guys doing? And not talking my about honoring thing. our husbands. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about how to fucking uh, get more money by giving you more money. And I just like after five years, I was like, how does nobody else notice that it, this is just like our there our emotions are being stirred up by some carrot on the end of a stick but then uh at some point i interacted with someone from a different church who was a prophetess which we would never allow at our church right uh uh a, a woman especially and then she had like a bunch of like prophecies for me and uh she told me like you have the gift of discernment and then shortly after that then all of a sudden i was able like i could like uh, I was doing some prison youth prison ministry yeah. and I could uh, I could see into people's lives and I could see their trauma and I could see their pain and I could see what was standing in their way. And so I started speaking into their lives. And then when they got a hold of that, we called it super spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, it's so ridiculous now to look back and be like like they held all that stuff back. And so when yeah. real magic would start to happen, if it wasn't coming through Benny Hinn or, <laughs> or our fucking pastor, if anybody actually started to step into their gifts hey. and they didn't have control over it, it was like, hey, 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 hey. Mm-hmm. And their reasons let's were like... Let's not get super spiritual. Yeah, let's not get super <laughs> spiritual. Is what they call it, which is batshit. That is I mean? crazy. And that's dog. totally what happens the same thing in Mormonism. Like here in Utah, how many guys do you know who are like, yeah, they're like in the church, they're super into it supposedly they go every week they watch general conference they listen to talks but if you're ever like hey so like what do you think about this deep doctrine they're like it's goofy i'm not weird like let's not get too spiritual like let's not be fanatics about this you know bananas well i think i think there's just some people uh want to figure out how everything works and uh there are some people (laughs) who just uh want like a spiritual pick-me-up right and And there's nothing wrong with that i shouldn't judge people i feel like my my like i got frustrated with my dad when i tried to talk about all these uh these doubts that i had like uh, the essay stuff talking about seer stones and how it bothered me and he was like you know i just don't think about it Uh, i just don't i guess i don't really think about that kind of stuff i think that was his exact (laughs) quote and I was mad at it because I wanted him. I'm like, how do you not want to think about it? But the more I talk to him, the more he just doesn't think about it. He's right. Like, he wants to hear about faith and he wants to uh, do service for people. And then that's it. He doesn't really care uh, about I think, intelligence. Which isn't that sweet, and, though? Yeah, yeah, it is. It like, is. I, think, I think the seeker is an archetype of mm-hmm. a person. 
and uh, I'm attracted, like I'm a seeker. I've been a seeker since I was a kid that I just am endlessly driven. It blows my mind to have conversations with people to be like, you don't think about what we are. Like that isn't a question that is co- like constantly, that is a program that has never stopped running in the back but of But do you my ever head. wish it had stopped running? Because like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what level of seeker I am, but I am kind of like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just uh, seems stop like giving a shit a little like bit. Seems like hell to me. The saddest existence to, to not me seems care. like accepting the reality that has been handed. Like that is my version of hell. I feel like hmm. you're just an extra in the movie. You're a sim. And I would, I'd, I'd jump off a cliff <laughs> if I just found, like if I ever felt like I found the answer and uh or just like somebody gave me the answer and i was like oh okay like that was that's like that's depression inducing for me is to the idea of just eking out my existence in a uh like a cookie cutter reality like that that's like what drove me to drugs was like oh no i'm not i'm not getting locked in this fucking matrix uh i'm not accepting that this is uh yeah so i would rather i don't feel like I'm okay with there not being a finish line. I enjoy the journey of it. Right. But uh, it took a long time for me to, uh, when I was young, because I was very zealous still and still thought I needed other people to be on the same page. And I would just be like, what do you think about? Like, what is it just static in everyone else's head? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to, like, like, when we talk about people like Aaron's dad, uh, those people are great like if jesus is real then he totally has their back you know and like they don't even probably need to do much because jesus is just like hey guys you're saved you know yeah Yeah. or whatever like that's why and but i think that that is what you're talking about is like the big difference between and like we're saying we don't i don't really know what kind of guy joseph smith was i know that he was bad in some ways Mm -hmm. some big ways uh, but I do think he was a seeker who wanted to yeah. unlock mysteries and know things. And I think sometimes it just so happened that uh, the secrets he thought he was unlocking allowed him to. He's like, oh, I get to do this now. Like I get to uh, marry a bunch of other women because I unlocked this secret. Right. Uh-huh. It just so happened to play into something he already wanted to do, I think. But um, so like some of it he is just making up but the church when joseph smith was like new when he's starting it in this environment with this folk magic and stuff uh the early people who jump on board like all the witnesses of the book of mormon are all guys who like want their own seer stones they're all like joining with just like david whitmer uh-huh. had a seer stone like uh oliver cowdery used the divining rod which is like a stick to find water or treasure also you know and even one or the other yeah or it, either one either one it even talks about it in doctrine and covenants there's a doctrine and covenants where it's like oliver you have been blessed and like the newer version changes it to say he's blessed with like the gift of aaron but the early transcripts of it which we still have say you've been blessed with the gift of uh the rod of nature and what? using it to translate and, and find that means aaron well, Aaron is talking about Aaron in the Bible, who was uh, Joseph's or uh, Moses's brother. brother, and in like 
interpreter. Uh-huh. So it was saying that basically this Doctrine and Covenant scripture is saying that Oliver Cowdery will be allowed to translate the gold plates with his divining rod. Um, just like Aaron carried the staff or something of Moses and was able to interpret for Moses because Moses couldn't talk very well. Do you remember that? Yeah, like yeah, it talks yeah. about that in the Bible. It's I like do remember Moses that. is slow of speech, so Aaron has to be the one yep. who... Anyway... Because it was my name. The other guys in the early (laughs) days were all like, so Joseph and me are starting this thing where we all get to have visions and we all get to use our seer stones. And it also was mixed with Christianity. But slowly Joseph's like, well, actually, uh, only my stone. Really? Yeah. He's like slowly telling... Did he go back and retcon it? Like retroact? Because I remember reading something that like he didn't... He started inventing these priesthood things like, well, like he told people that he was given the Aaronic priesthood way after he supposedly, yeah, just but it was like, oh, because uh, he needed he had created something where everyone was equal and he needed to just keep a leveling up a little bit. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. There's another doctrine and covenants where I think it's Hiram Page is his name is like getting revelations through a seer stone. And this doctrine and covenants scripture is specifically like. Hiram Page's seer stone doesn't count. It's of the devil. And so all of those guys are eventually leave, right? All yeah. the witnesses of the they Book of Mormon. They took their rocks and went home. Yeah, they're like, Joseph. <laughs> you know what? Well, I, well, you can't play with mine anymore. It's like a yeah. game of D&D that went bad. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to show you this. I have the book here, The Early Mormonism in the Magic Worldview. And to get a feeling for some of the stuff that like was playing into Joseph Smith and his family's mind, the seer stones and the divining rod and stuff, the church will talk about that now. They showed us that the picture like, of the brown rock. They're like, okay, yeah, you got us. You got us. But also, we always admitted it. Like, like no. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing they still don't want to talk about as much is maybe some of the like astrology and ritual magic stuff that they did. But we have evidence that Joseph Smith did that kind of stuff because um, like his descendants and descendants of his brother Hiram passed these like belongings down in their families uh, for years. And now we have them like the Jupiter talisman that Joseph Smith was wearing or had in his pocket when he died at Carthage jail. Um, Or this Mars dagger that was passed down that people were like, it must've been to do with Freemasonry, but it doesn't have Freemason symbols on it. It has like the astrological symbol of Mars carved on the blade. And uh, these magic parchments that Hiram Smith, kept in a pouch around his neck that like Hiram's grandkids are like, yeah, we've passed these down for years in our family. And great grandma said that her grandma said that Hiram wore it around his neck all the time. Whoa. Wow. And then you go back and you find there's that modern evidence, but then there's also evidence from the time of people being like, and Hiram wore this pouch around his neck, you know? So were those parchments? Well, so here they are. Look at these things. Does th- that's photographs, so you can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but I'm showing it to Jess and Aaron, and they look pretty crazy. Do you recognize anything here, Jess? Uh, these are all... What are they called? Sigils? Yeah. Um. Lots of sigils and, like, 
geometry. But like if you showed this to a Christian person or most Mormons, what would they say? Witchcraft. Witchcraft, right? Looks witchy. What's so interesting looks, is that religion... That looks like a pentagram almost it's on all, a couple of these shapes. Baptism is magic ritual. It like, is. Like baptism yeah. is taking water, which symbolizes truth, and... Uh, d- dousing the person in it like that is a magic ritual a communion is a magic ritual it's so weird the way that uh uh like i learned about astrology studying astrology to prove that it was demonic and uh i felt dumb saying it was demonic i had a conversation with someone who actually understood like real astrology not horoscopes and i was losing the argument yeah and then i was like uh uh, I'm going to study it so that I can win this art. And then I was like, oh, this is actually very logical. Like this yeah. isn't, uh, where's the devil in I this? Think, I think religion is the same thing as Joseph. It just is like, uh, it made itself the one with the authority. Yep. Whereas like, uh, it's the same magic as everyone else, but my magic is, it makes sense. And you guys are crazy. You guys are all magic. evil. Yeah. You guys worship the devil and stuff. But our version of the mm-hmm. magic is is the right. And so while you're looking at that real fast, is this the Jupiter talisman. This is the Jupiter talisman, which has uh, Joseph wore that his whole life, supposedly. And Jesse, you'll like this. It's in that book. There, he was born. He would have been Capricorn technically for like his birthday, except that uh, the Ju- something about the first decan. Do you know what that is? D e c a n of mm-hmm. Jupiter. And so like for some reason, Jupiter was the planet of Joseph Smith's day and year that he was born, according to astrological books that were available to him. So like that the astrological he, that made him what? And so he's not a Capricorn. He is a Capricorn, but he's oh. not ruled over by Saturn. He's ruled over by Jupiter. And he oh. has lots of Jupiter stuff. He has the Jupiter talisman. He has a Jupiter cane that has... Dude, dude, the Mormons tell the wrong fucking story about right? Joseph. This story is fascinating. Yeah. This is so much cooler than than the story that they get. Jessa and I... Uh, so I, uh, like, talisman stuff, we just got bracelets somebody gave us uh-huh. at uh, a show mine. the other day, and then we got, like, um, we got bo- a box full of explanations for what all the stones were, yeah. and she explained talisman uh, to Aaron in that whatever necklace I'm wearing around my neck is, uh, I kind of let them come to me, but, uh, it's the, the premise of the, the current timeline I'm on. Mm -hmm. It's the, the premise or the power through which, uh, uh, I'm existing on that timeline yeah, so this is So Jess is looking at the talisman photos that Joseph of Joseph Smith's Jupiter talisman and it's covered in like sigils of Jupiter, the magic symbol of Jupiter and also like Hebrew letters and numbers which come from Kabbalah. Like those numbers and letters and stuff are significant because of the Jewish mystic tradition of Kabbalah. Huh. And so whoever made that amulet that Joseph Smith had would have consulted like occult manuscripts that were available in Joseph Smith's time. And those things were referencing Kabbalah and like hermetic alchemical traditions. And so that's where that comes from. So Joseph carried this his whole life. Uh, 
And interestingly enough, this book talks about, I thought you'd like this, Jessa, this book talks about how in like astrological books from Joseph Smith's time, they say things like a person who is uh, ruled over by Jupiter is likely to have a limp and a whistle in his speech, both things that Joseph Smith had because of his leg injury and because he got his tooth chipped. Yeah. Interesting. Like that is in a... Really? Yeah. If you're ruled over by Jupiter, you're more likely to have a limp. It says they're likely to be crooked. And to speak with a whistle. <laughs> there are yeah, because your body is uh, different parts of your body are ruled by your astrological whatever. My um, ex husband was a Gemini, which is ruled by the hand. It's the ha- rules the hands. It's the twins, mm-hmm. and uh, he got shot and got his uh, arm blown off, and then his arm sewed back on, and yeah. then his hand entropied, so he had. Jeez. That's that's very similar to what this says. It says like people who are ruled over by Jupiter are likely to have infirmities of like the foot or leg and uh, that they're likely to be crooked because of that. But then Joseph also, when he got tarred and feathered, someone chipped his tooth and supposedly he talked with like a little bit of a whistle for the rest of his life after that, which is also in astrological charts for people who are born under Jupiter. But Joseph, so he also had this cane, which I don't know if I have the picture of it in here. But it had a snake head, which is supposedly snakes in this time. Because, you know, I think astrological books change. But when Joseph was looking at them, supposedly, they said that snakes were ruled over by Jupiter or Saturn. And then underneath that, it has a sigil of Jupiter and then a crown and then the initials JS. Oh, yeah. That's on the next page from what we were looking at. And so the thing that this guy writing this book says like that looks like it says Jupiter rules over Joseph Smith, like Jupiter crowned Joseph Smith. Right. So Joseph seemed to care about this. Yeah. He carried this amulet his whole life. But so like, then the question is like, how does this stuff manifest itself in the actual doctrine of the Mormon church? Yeah. Right. Cause we now know like, okay, well, so Joseph was into all this stuff, but how does that actually affect the, the church and its doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a question, Aaron? No, I want you. To, I do, <laughs> but go, go, continue. Well, so certain doctrines in Mormonism that are usually the ones that make Christians not like us are things like we can all become gods, right? Yes. Um, polygamy, and uh, Joseph talks about how God didn't create everything out of nothing. He has to obey the rules himself. He's yeah. he. Uh, you know, he organized matter that already existed. Spirit and matter are uh, connected, and they are the same, and they are infinite. They can't be created or destroyed. These are things that sometimes we talk about in church, not much, mm-hmm. but they are doctrines, and they're important to, like, why the church is the way it is, and they come straight out of hermetic uh doctrine and the kabbalah and stuff and like so the idea that we can become gods is like do you you know the king follett discourse right so yeah, the king they, follett discourse is I had the, the ring <coughs> i had i wore the ring from what's the, the ring the he holds up the yeah. uh, the ring at as a as like a visual aid or whatever during yeah. the sermon and uh like at temple uh bookstores they sell 
the Joseph Smith's King ring, and you can it's got the circle on it, and I I like bought that. I did when not I was know in, that. I wore that my whole mission on this on this finger. So maybe this finger, but I I loved it. I, I loved it. It's just it's a big silver ring that's just got a circle on it, and uh, he was it was speaking at someone's funeral. So Joseph Smith, one of the last times he spoke in public before he died was a, a guy's funeral who had died and he got up and was like they asked me to speak at his funeral and i'm gonna take this opportunity <laughs> to uh make it all about me <laughs> <laughs> but he actually got up and was like i'm gonna expound the a doctor name was king yeah the okay, guy's name was, was king like, follett uh, so that's okay. why it's called the king follett discourse he gets up and he's like i'm gonna tell you guys something and then he starts to be like god was once a man like us and he rose through the ranks to become a god. And just like he did that, we can do the same thing. That's our destiny. And then he, the thing is, this is the the crazy part, is part of this discourse is him giving us a lesson on Hebrew grammar, talking about the first um, uh, passage of the Bible. Uh, in uh, the beginning, or whatever, like, uh, God created. Yeah. <sighs> I can't remember the first scripture of the Bible. <laughs> but the point is Joseph Smith gets up and he's like, this is what it says in Hebrew. And he like says uh, whatever it is. It's like Bereshith, Barar, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, starts to break down the grammar and he does, uh, he butchers it. He gets it all wrong. <laughs> he says everything wrong. But his conclusion from it is uh, not, he says that it says in the beginning created God, the earth. But he's like, we should see it as like, in the beginning is an entity, and it created God. In the beginning created God. Like, and that is actually like the first page of the Zohar, which is the like scripture of Kabbalah. It does the exact same what grammatic breakdown of how God was created, kind like by Damn. the eternal beginning as like an Fuck. entity and so it's like joseph smith for the king follett discourse is literally borrowing directly from the zohar for this doctrine that is so important to us damn wow. oh okay i want to go more into this but we have uh are we at an hour we're, pr- we're pretty close to an hour yeah should we just wrap this up and then just keep going for like a patreon episode yeah let's do that okay all right well, uh, this was really fun, Danny. Uh, I uh, want. I hopefully we can record another one of these someday and do more. Yeah, I had a good time. Magic There's stuff. so much to talk about. I'm sorry if I fo- if I was ever trying to like cram stuff into. No, no, you no, had a lesson plan. Perfect. You had a lesson <laughs> plan, and we appreciated it. Uh, I I was like glad. I was hoping that we. I was already playing around with the idea of like splitting this up or something like that. Uh, I was so I was happy that we went long. And also like I didn't even ask half the questions I wanted to ask yeah, about so your mission. Like oh. just like that opening opening stuff. I was like, oh, there's I so can much rant that- about like uh, this is the like next time. I yeah, don't there's know. a lot. That we can, <laughs> there's a lot that we could return to. It's a probably about. a lot less positive though. It ends a lot more angry and bitter and sad. If uh, I that's start okay. your mission that. sounds like it's run by <laughs> assholes. <laughs> Uh, but I feel like those are the kind of assholes who then become general authorities. And like, then well, that's what I noticed in up, my mission. You know? Sorry, we'll finish. <laughs> but the people who did that were the ones who got like promoted because it was like they're delivering, you know? Yeah. And then they're the ones that 
get to stand up from the pulpit and determine what we talk about in right. church. And stuff. Usually the people who are preoccupied with power find a way to get the power. Yeah, absolutely. That's why uh, we shouldn't submit I to authority. I think it's one of the truest things that Joseph Smith ever said is in Doctrine and Covenants about... Uh, Anytime a man gets a little power, he immediately starts to... Seek dominion over other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if that was his way of uh, doing a confession. Yeah, sorry. I, do, I mean, I do think it applies to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Him being like, all right, Seerstone Club, I am now officially the president. The Seerstone Club! <laughs> <laughs> just like little kids in a treehouse, and they each have their rock. And they were like, yeah. they, they made a pact together, but then as they grew up, Joseph betrayed them all and ruined the club. <laughs> oh. oh, It's going to be really hard not to name this podcast uh, Seerstone Club. Seerstone Club. <laughs> anyway, uh... Thanks, guys. This you was are, fun. Thank we'll you, Porter Rockwell, for being here oh, yeah. <laughs> for us. Porter Rockwell. Hey, your chest is very, if I may say, swole. <laughs> thank very you, Aaron. Looking great, Danny. You're, uh, you're a specimen of manhood oh, yourself. Oh, thank you. Do you have anything to plug uh, besides our bromance? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, someday I'll hopefully make some movies that have that have something to do with some of this stuff. Can people find Raisin online? Sure. <laughs> Is look up Danny Hunt Raisin on Vimeo at the Atlanta uh, Film Festival. Yeah, so uh, it's good shit. All right, bye, bye, bye. If you put a Mormon and a Methodist together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all and just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike.